Welcome to the Sharon Kleiner Hour. The power of water and global warming. Have you heard about global warming? I hope that each week from 10 to 11 West Coast time, you'll join us with the Sharon Kleiner Hour and learn more about your health and living with this planet Earth each week for your health concerns and uh, helping others also to learn with how to live with this global warming. Global warming has nothing to do with politics. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, misunderstanding. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is because it's been going on from for so long, and all of a sudden it became a political issue, and I think that's sad because people are not realizing how serious this is for your personal health. And then, of course, there's more to learn about what we can do to make a better, healthier life on this earth for the planet to live with us. And we're going to live with the planet, but it's not going to live with us unless we're healthy, too. Uh, this morning we have... Dr. Bill Wolf, who's a, um, a homopathic dentist, and he has been doing research on many, many uh, very fascinating uh, topics for me to learn myself today. And I, I truly believe that your dental health is vital to your health. And I'm excited about having Dr. Wolf with us. The last half of our show, we're going to have Dr. Janet Hodder, who's a marine uh, biologist at Oregon Health Sciences here in Oregon, and I'm coming out of Oregon. And you're going to learn more about what she's going to be teaching us, too. I think we'll take a moment for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Wolf. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back to the Sharon Planet Hour, the power of water and global warming and learning more your health. Today we have Dr. Wolf with us. Uh, Dr. Wolf, are you with us? I am with you. Well, thank you for joining us. I know how busy you are, and I was really excited that you could do this. Uh, I do believe that people are not concerned enough about their dental health. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about you first before we go into the dental health, about your background and what you got, what, how you got where you're at today? Well, I got where I'm at because I was very sick myself in the 70s. I had a tumor, and as part of my healing process for my surgery, I held my hands up to a mercury vapor tester from now, a representative Now, let's explain to our uh, listeners what this is going to be teaching them a little bit today. You held your hands up to a vapor? Mercury vapor tester. What that the, OSHA what, would use. Explain to our listeners what does that mean? Well, uh, Occupational Safety Hazard Administration, OSHA, monitors plants that use mercury in their processes, including um, uh, thermometer plants, battery plants, cosmetic plants, uh, even public utilities, service companies uh, use mercury in the switches and gauges. And if there's a certain amount of mercury vapor coming uh, out of, of, of the work areas or the switches or gauges, these plants can be fined for a mercury spill if it's above 50 micrograms per cubic meter of air. And I had that much coming out of my skin. I'd been a dentist at that time 10 years, and I'd been a dental assistant four or five years. And after I'd had tumor surgery, now I found I had mercury exuding from my body for being a dentist. 
I quit on the spot, and this was 1979. We did not have very many good materials for the uh, rear teeth in 1979, other than um, amalgams or gold, and we just started experimenting with different kinds of materials to use on the rear teeth, composites. So it's been quite a process that really opened me up to look at uh, healthcare in ways other than, than what I was taught in school because I'd always looked at a silver filling as what it was. Uh, I thought it was a silver filling. Well, it's 50% mercury. It's only 30% silver. So I call it what it is, a mercury filling, and I haven't done one since 1979. I've heard uh, myself uh, that there's a lot of concern about people who had the for, uh, earlier years, the dental work and the fillings. Is that what you're talking about? It, for our listeners to always understand that there was something in the fillings that was causing you a problem, and then many other people have they've discussed this. Uh, explain that to our listeners. This is not a new subject, Sharon. It goes back to 1826 in this country. There's an article on my website, drwolf.com, uh, drwolfe.com, that discusses the history of this controversy. In 1826, we started using uh, mercury silver amalgams in this country, and in 1840. To be a member of the American Society of Dental Surgeons in this country, which was the parent organization, you used to have to sign a pledge that you would not place mercury fillings. In I believe it was 1840, uh, no, 1859. That's right, 1859. The American Dental Association was formed, and of course, their filling of choice was the um, mercury silver amalgam filling. And we've been arguing about it ever since, which is sort of silly. I know. Uh, we've all heard something about it. Probably the younger generation know, but uh, those of us who have lived with that type of feelings have heard that uh, there was a problem with the health uh, because of that using that particular type of uh, filling. Um, now, you had, uh, you found yourself uh, doing a particular type of therapy for yourself. How did that work? Well, first of all, I quit having mercury around the office, <laughs> and um, we um, uh, began a quest. Looking back on this now, it was a blessing uh, for me because it changed my life completely. At the time, it was a dark time, but I have enough perspective on it now to see what a blessing it was. And because I was interested in uh, not only sustaining my health, uh, but becoming healthier and making sure that I uh, didn't have any more uh, cancer, that I pursued uh, other routes of uh, complementary therapies and mm -hmm. studied with Dr. Vole in Germany. Now, when you say complementary therapy, what does that mean for our listeners? Well, in this country, we call it alternative therapy. Okay, okay. In Europe, they call it complementary therapy. Oh, okay. I like complementary because it means in addition to, not uh -huh. instead of. So whatever people are so doing that's working for your them, you add on energetic so medicine. You try to pursue this yourself. Yes, it's, it's complementary. Uh -huh. So I pursued this myself for me, and, and because uh, of the benefits that uh, the treatments had for me, then obviously this is what I focus on in my practice in Santa Fe. Homeopathy has, has just changed my life because of the energetic aspect of health care. Uh -huh. It looks at the energetic essence of who we are and balancing that because the premise is uh, in energetic medicine that the energy systems are the infrastructures of the body and energy is the medicine. And the physical is the, just an expression of the energetic latticework. Okay, let's define that for our listeners to right. get education on this. Right. You have been finding with your evaluations that uh, the energetic side of, now explain those two parts to them, to our listeners. That uh, the listeners may know what an aura is or the electromagnetic field of the body. As electrons are flowing, there's an electromagnetic field. And, and we might explain to our listeners, uh, because in my field and my research, that because you're made up of millions and millions of cells with water in the cell, that the electronic, electric, electronic, excuse me, listen. The electrolytic attend reaction you have to the air is like the electric uh, of lightning. 
You have an attraction to the air more than you've ever been educated or understand. So what Dr. Wolf is saying, there's electric energy that each individual is attracted to the air because of your own body, water, and your molecules and yourself. Yes, they will understand now what you're going to be saying. The electrons that we're all composed of are not just particles, they're waveforms. And they're all moving. They're all in vibration. Exactly. And when electrons are moving, that's called a current. And when you have a current, you have an electromagnetic field that's produced. To the air. Yes, exactly. And our body is designed to heal itself. It's just we're in a world that is continually interfering with this natural capacity. Now, when you say to us that we're in a world that's interfering, Mm -hmm. what is your theory to what's interfering? Well, right now we have Channel 7 going right through us, cell phones, uh, uh, the high power lines, the conduit, electrical lines. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The radio, the TV, uh, shortwave radios. All these are, are all that's going on in the in air our field, in, in the whether air, we turn on the TV and, re- and turn on the receiver or not. Exactly. And all so, that technology, Dr. Wolf, that's going on that we all love is going on all over this planet by an influence, and we are electronically synergized to the air, too, so that is affecting us also. Exactly, and, and energy because really is all there is. Uh, Einstein proved that many years ago uh, in his formula, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared, that mm-hmm. mass and energy are interconvertible. And our energy field has a harmonic resonance of health. And as long, it's like a, a, a musical orchestra, as long as all of our organs, the instruments in this orchestra, are In other play, words, the rhythm of our own organs and our own molecular ability to to live where we're at and what we're doing because of the energy in the air, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that we have normally, um, perhaps if we didn't live um, in uh, the environment that we live, if we lived on a mountaintop, we perhaps wouldn't have these disturbance fields Not that as much. our bodies have to compensate have for. Some. And the compensation yeah. is what expresses itself as physical imbalances are labeled as diseases. So I like, I like, I like what you just said, label them as diseases. No, well, that's a label. Yeah, I know. And, 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 uh, and that's uh, all it is. Does what, that little cell know what that means? What would you call it? Because I get so tired of everything as a disease. Right. So, you know, we have to, uh, uh, geez, uh, how many diseases more we have now than the turn of the century? It's, uh, <laughs> we need to find diseases for all the drugs that we have, don't exactly. you know? Exactly. Uh, would you call them maybe a symptom that started because of... Uh, well, I mean, is, is chronic fatigue syndrome really a disease? Okay. Or is that, or is that a, a combination of a number of, of symptoms? Right. And it's a label. Yeah. So if we're looking at going through the sea of disturbance fields... And when you say the sea, call the air. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's a medium just like water. Yes. And we have disturbance fields, and, and our harmonic, resonant, healthy vibrations are going through this sea of, of disturbance fields. Then our body is continually trying to compensate to sustain this harmonic balance between all its organs. I, I, I still allude to the body as a symphony and all the organs as instruments. Now, let's back up for a second, because this is something that is a subject that is absolutely all of our listeners are going to be fascinated from wherever, their backgrounds, is that what we're saying here, listeners, and follow me, Dr. Wolf, if you can correct me, is we're walking around on this planet Earth in the sea of air. The air has moisture in the air that you cannot see. Hopefully, there's enough moisture to keep you alive, because the moisture in the air is what is your sea of life. Uh, as you walk on where you choose to live and your lifestyle of where you're going indoors with all of the forced air, heating and cooling, and insulated windows and walls and chemistry indoors, then you walk out to the sea of the air out there and you've got another challenge for you personally. And follow me, doctor, and maybe you can help explain it to them. No two fingerprints alike. No two eyes alike. Everybody is dehydrating, losing moisture daily through the body with the sea, the rhythm, and their choices of lifestyle. Would that have a lot to do with individual attitude and stress? Well, certainly, because 
the premise here is that the physical follows the energy. Thank you. Okay. And we, for those listeners that may be a bit confused on what energy is, let me just explain it this way. We may not know what energy is, but we know when we have it, and you especially know when you don't have it. When you're depleted, when it's taking and energy to just and you're get worn out, and when pain just zaps your energy, it, it takes pain to uh, energy to have pain, and really pain is just blocked energy flow in Chinese medicine. Uh-huh. So it's all about energy flow, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. Where that's who we are. Those those components. Let's get over to, we're learning a lot now about that, and we'll have to have another show on a lot of that and maybe bring on some other doctors, too, and different people. That is something the listeners have to realize, is you're made up of water, you're walking in the sea of all this energy and synergy that you have to learn how to balance all that out yourself. And, of course, I'm hoping everybody's drinking a lot of water to keep putting more moisture back into the body as you deplete. Because you're a dentist, um, tell us a little bit about what you've been learning about uh, the the mouth. Uh, Well, you know, the first thing I learned about the mouth is that it's part of the body. Amazing as it may seem, that's not the way the American Dental Association looks at it. You know, the the mouth, the teeth, are so, so very important, not only as a biomechanical structure to stabilize our jaw and our, our, our muscles, because if your bite is off and your muscles are not in a relaxed physiologic rest position... Now, is it true that the jaw is probably the strongest part of your body? Yes, it's, I mean, you can, uh, why, why is, thousands why of pounds Why was it that nature made the jaw the strongest part of the body? Well, we used to run around chewing on limbs, and um, we had more teeth, too. <laughs> our wisdom teeth have about evolutionized themselves out of existence. But oh, our jaw but used the to be, nature uh, of our jaws. Yeah, our jaw used to be longer. And uh, now the jaw has atrophied over the ages, and we don't have room for wisdom teeth. We see more young children that don't even have wisdom teeth. Oh, is that true? Yeah. And so we now, just don't, we, you know, we're eating processed food, we're eating out of cans, we uh, eat soft foods, we don't uh, require the uh, strong uh, chewing capabilities when we were chewing on branches, so that may be simplistic. But <laughs> well, we came from Maybe some of us still chew on branches, yeah. I don't know. But yeah. it's, uh, some of, you know, what I'm saying is yeah. that we are evolutionizing as a result of uh, our, our, our diet and nutrition. Uh-huh. Uh, I can get into a whole uh, sideline here about... Um, uh, nutritional research that was done with Dr. Page and Dr. Price in the early part of the 19th century and studying skulls of ancients and, and uh, tribes in Africa uh, versus uh, Western societies and how the diets demonstrate themselves. Have you studied anything to do with the, the tongue? Uh, we're going to take a break for a moment for our sponsor, and I'd also like to, when we come back into understanding the gums, the, the teeth, uh, and I'd like to hear a little bit about the, the tongue and the saliva. Okay, very good. Okay, I, we're going to take a moment for our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Very good. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water and Global Warming. We have a very exciting guest, Dr. Wolf, Bill Wolf, who has been with uh, in dentistry for um, all of his adult life. 
uh, has been teaching us about uh, the energetic side or electronic side of uh, the electrons understanding the energy of your body and it was so fascinating and I hope when this is archived on the web that you'll go in and listen uh, to this even though this is a live show take some time and go back into some of these shows you'll learn so much about what each person has been trying to teach us about our individual health you know Dr. Wolf you had made a mention on some of your information self-sufficient in treating your own illnesses and learning more about yourself and that is probably because each person is walking into their own sea of energy like we were talking earlier and no one follows them everywhere and each person could become self-reliant on knowing their everyday activity and how to take better care of themselves by the fact that their their mental health is the key to everything if you're tired something's going to trigger um, I want to ask you you were telling us more about dental health uh, would you continue to tell us more about what you're finding on dental health and some uh, some secrets that people should be learning about how to take better care of their dental health yes exactly um, what you were uh, referring to Sharon is that uh, people need to investigate and conclude for themselves and, and be their own consulting doctor. Uh, the doctor, whether it's physician, chiropractor, MDDO, works for you, the patient. Inform yourself, know what you want, what you want in your health practitioner, and interview your health practitioner to see if he meets your needs. That's right. And they want you to. Well, exactly. I do that. Uh, I have a dollar exam. People come see me for a dollar, and we talk about what we need to do. Yeah. So here are the other issues. Can you explain what you just said? You said you have a dollar exam? Yes. The first visit, uh, you can come talk to me for a dollar. Ah, and, and we'll just sit and wonderful. chat about what it is that you need and how uh, I think I can help you. And if you think that's a good idea, then, then we can have um, some films taken and, and uh, make a plan. Oh, that's so, very good. I'm glad to hear that. So here are the other issues, Sharon. We talked about the biomechanical issues of the jaw, uh -huh. how it affects the structure of the sacrum, the spine, and mm -hmm. everything. A lot of chronic pain in this world is due to the jaw position being off and the compensation of what the body goes through to try to balance. That's where the pain comes. That's where the structural problems come. That's where you see one shoulder higher than the other, chronic shoulder pain, people leaning over, people compensating and try to keep their 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 head and their eyes in a horizontal plane. It's a whole study and posture that that actually keys in on the TMJ, temporal mandibular joint, that right in front of your ear. If you put your finger there and open and close, you can feel that joint open and close. Hmm. So that's one issue. The other issue is uh, toxicity. Your teeth are part of your body. There have been uh, recent research in, in the last decade that demonstrates that people that have a high amount of bacteria in their mouth yes, they do. are more prone to heart attack and stroke diabetes, pneumonia, premature births, other infections, that the bacteria in the mouth are very virulent bacteria, and they Why get into the bloodstream and go throughout the body. That about the problems of bacteria in the mouth, and we, yes, that is true, and the tongue carries a lot. Exactly. Um, it, the bacteria get in through the mucosa and the cheek yeah. and the tongue, uh, sublingually underneath the, the tongue. Uh, the venous system there is, it, it takes bacteria throughout the body. And what would do that do to affect the saliva? Well, yes, of course, the saliva then is, is just teeming with, with bacteria. Yeah. And periodontal disease is not just a localized disease. It is a systemic disease. Now, when you say systemic, what, is our, what are our listeners going to learn about, from it, that? It is a full body. Uh, patients think of gum disease in terms of teeth, but and they don't think about the fact that gum disease is a serious infection that can release bacteria into the bloodstream and go throughout the body. <laughs> and, and all these problems are... are Amplified that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Heart problems, strokes, diabetes, it'll, it'll amplify and make anything worse because the immune system is overburdened Through by the, the bacteria going throughout the body. You only have, my teacher was Dr. Vohl in Germany, and he used to say in his very German accent, you have an immune system bank account, how would you like to spend it? Would you like to spend it on your mouth? It's a good point. Yeah, we have other issues besides our mouth to spend our immune system on. Now, what do you recommend uh, to our listeners to take have daily hygiene with their uh, mouth? 
uh, with what's going on with um, uh, the mouthwashes, the toothpaste, and the dental floss. What is your daily suggested routine? Well, first of all, do it. <laughs> no matter uh, what uh, brand you're using. Now, I, of course, have my own brands that I would, um, this would be an opportune time to do some self-promotion. Um, I developed a product many years ago, aloe vera-based product. I, I developed this at Baylor College of Dentistry in about 1980 with my oral pathology professor there using um, a stabilization formula. Um, and, and what this uh, required was that we learn how to stabilize the uh, preservation of the aloe vera without using a lot of preservatives. Cause I now, when you say aloe vera, vera, remember, some of our listeners won't know what that is. Well, aloe vera is an ancient plant. grows mainly in the southwestern U.S., very arid parts of the world, actually. And it's a very self-sustaining plant. It uh, is, uh, survives uh, uh, heat very well, has everything it needs in its leaf to sustain itself. And the ancient uh, uh, Hebrew tribes uh, used to uproot their aloe vera plants when they would migrate and just uh, replant them wherever they went. So it's something that the gel of this plant is very self-sustaining. And the healing capacities of this, called the burn plant, Mm-hmm. Uh, we're studied now. You're suggesting that a person uses that for the mouth. Yes, yes. The the studies we did in the early '80s at Baylor College of Dentistry, we did human embryonic kidney cell testing to prove it was biocompatible, bactericidal testing, virucidal testing, anti-inflammatory testing, and found it was very, very safe to use. Um, we then further stabilized this product with antioxidants. Mm-hmm. That's now, the only product I had in the, morning, uh, in the early I 80s. Now I've got right, at least 15 products, but they're all based on the aloe vera formula. Okay. Uh, okay, we wanted to know more about uh, now when they get up and go to, uh, what do you think about the mouthwashes? Well, no alcohol is what I suggest. Okay. That's very much a dehydrating agent. Okay, what uh, about the tooth whitener one? Uh, well, not in the mouth rinse. Um, I, if you want your teeth whitened, I'd go to your dentist and get some trays made that hold the whitener right next to the tooth and don't let it run all over the and mouth. And how often a day do you think a person should brush their teeth? Well, it depends on how healthy you want to be. Uh, certainly after every meal would be wonderful, uh, at least in the morning and evening. And brush your tongue, too. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you, I have been studying the tongue and the nerve endings in the tongue and what the tongue collects on top of the tongue. Yeah. And be sure and brush the tongue also each time. Exactly. And, and this also stimulates organs. Yeah. Because uh, there's so many areas in the body that the body's trying to speak to us if we'll just listen as health practitioners. Whether you're muscle testing and you're, ask, you're speaking energy to the body, the body doesn't speak English, it speaks energy. Yes, that's you have right. to learn how to ask energy questions. So muscle okay. testing, or you can do some reflexology on the feet and actually stimulate the energy flow or the chi, the meridians. All the organs are represented on the feet, the represented on the ear, on the tongue. I've been, I've been taking reflexology for 14 years every Wednesday. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, and uh, I'm a believer. In fact, we had a guest, Patty Heath, who has been in reflexology for probably 20 years. So you think that is also very important to the stimulation of the nerve endings? Yes, because it's all about energy flow. Mm-hmm. That physical uh, expressions are about blocked energy flow. Now, when we're what... the nutrition side, I'm so sorry we don't have too much time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have a ho- uh, somebody who's called in and will ask a question. But, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, are you there, Charlotte? She's not there yet. Um, we need to ask, uh, I wanted to ask you on um, nutrition. Uh, what do you recommend when a person wants to think during the day of some nutrients, not supplements, the nutrition side of foods, what would they, you recommend they eat during the day? All right, here's a whole different concept of, of what do you eat. Whatever you're eating, whatever your philosophy is, whatever blood type you are, if you're a vegetarian, uh, uh, if you're carnivorous, whatever it is, if you're eating according to your uh, genetic heritage or whatever your philosophy is, are you really maximizing the nutrients from whatever it is that you're eating? I am a big proponent of enzymes. 
Most of the food that we eat has been processed or cooked, and the enzyme activity is, is greatly diminished or non-existent. And so the enzymes that would normally be in that food to help you digest that food are not present. If our digestive enzyme stores are not enough to digest that food, then we end up stealing systemic or metabolic enzymes to be digestive enzymes, which puts stress on the pancreas and other organs. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying in this day and time, whatever you're eating to extract the maximum amount of nutrients, you need to supplement with digestive enzymes. Mm-hmm. See, we only have three well, different kinds uh, of enzymes. Our listener is there now, Doctor, and I know she's going to want to ask you some questions before you go. Uh, are you there, Charlotte? Uh, yes, I am. I, Dr. Um, Wolf, is, uh, we don't have too much more time, but I know you probably would have some good questions. Well, I just wanted to ask the doctor what he feels. Uh, you, you, you talk about energy enhancement. Uh, what is your opinion of Tai Chi, and do you ever use magnets to help move the energy? Yes, uh, Tai Chi. I, I love Tai Chi. My, my assistant is a Tai Chi uh, Expert and um, um, you know anything to to move energy in the body, flexibility, not just of the physical form, but of the energy pathway meridians, the chi flow. The magnets, yes, uh, I use a lot of uh, magnets to pull energy. Um, You need to muscle test and find out which side. Most of the time, it will be the north pole, and we have magnets that have tape on them that we'll actually put on the jaw and pull energy and also put it on the associated acupuncture point for that organ. Something we've not gotten into, and I want to make sure we do, Sharon, is that the other way the teeth affect the entire body is through the meridian system. Did you know there are large intestine teeth, lung teeth, liver teeth, stomach teeth, kidney teeth, that these teeth can be an energetic suppression of that acupuncture meridian and affect that organ at a distance? Another reason I use the magnets there that you were calling it about is to keep pulling that meridian for that organ. So in other words, on, there's a chart on my website, drwolf.com, that, that shows, it was Dr. Vol's chart, and he did this chart in 1953, so this is nothing new. It shows the interrelationship of the teeth and the organs and the glands and the vertebral segments, etc. You can have a, a lower molar that maybe has a bio-uncompatible dental material in it. Not necessarily mercury filling. It could be a a non-precious crown. Uh, It could be a composite that's not compatible. It could be a dead tooth. It could be some periodontal disease. And that tooth can be blocking that acupuncture meridian energy pathway to large intestine, lung, their paired organs, and also lumbar four and five, back pain, shoulder pain, all come from this area. Many times, I'm just saying that this is a very, very overlooked area of systemic health care is the mouth. That's but, fascinating. Physicians aren't diagnosing dentistry, and neither are dentists many times, because they're looking for the mechanical issues in the mouth. I'm looking for that plus energetic issues in the mouth. Yeah. Charlotte, are you still with Yeah, I am, and I now, appreciate something, Dr. Uh, uh, Charlotte, too. Uh, you had here written in your information, doctor, that gum disease and, and unhealthy mm-hmm. dental uh, d- diseases can cause potential heart attacks and strokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the influence, let's, let's put it that way, not cause, influence. Mm-hmm. Explain that to our listeners and to Charlotte. Well, about the bacteremia aspect, this, uh, some of this research was done at Johns Hopkins University and analyzing uh, the amount of bacteria in the mouth. Um, about 14% of all Americans have peri- advanced periodontal disease that puts them at risk of losing their teeth, but more than that of having heart attack, strokes, diabetes, these issues that we talked about. And the, the bacteria that we see in the mouth is is uh, uh, not just for gum tissue. It, it's just as happy to live in the stomach as as in the gum tissue, and it gets there through the the highways, the bl- blood vessels. And so this is another reason that we need to keep our mouth bacteria free, not just about cavities or sustaining our you know protecting our investment on dental work, but because of the potential effects in a in a systemic or total body health aspect that dentistry 
looks at itself as just dealing with the mouth. And I'm saying we're oral physicians rather than tooth mechanics. We just don't embrace that. It's not taught that way. But things are changing, and we're starting to see how the mouth influences the rest of the body. I've mentioned three. You have so much information. Dr. Wolf, I am so sorry we're out of time. Oh, okay. And uh, we have a guest that's been waiting, but I uh, hope you'll listen. She's a marine biologist mm-hmm. out of Oregon. We're going to learn a lot about what she's been uh, teaching us, going, teaching us all. Uh, but could you come back and do this again? Because this is something that I am believer that dental education uh, has all been overlooked. I think uh, eyes have been overlooked. Um, and would you come back again sometime? Oh, I'll be and, uh, in, in the meantime, Sharon, if I could mention, if the, the listeners would like to follow up on these conversations, Dr. Wolf with an E. Mm-hmm. dot com, mm-hmm. homeopathic dentistry dot com. Okay. And good energy products. And we'll have you back on the air, do this again. This was very, very fascinating. Well, enjoyed and it, real sure. quickly before you go, I'm sure you recommend that everybody drink a lot of water. A lot of water. Yes, yes, that's, yeah. that's the issue. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank, thank you, you, Charlotte, for being with us. Bye, sure. Thank you. We'll take a moment for our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. Janet Hodder. Thank you. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. To reach a show host or guest during the live show, dial toll-free in North America, 866-613-1612. Or, if outside the USA and Canada, dial 001-858-268-3068. Welcome to the Sharon Climate Hour and the Power of Water Global Warming. And Dr. Hodder, are you with us? I am. Thank you for joining us. I was really excited, uh, Dr. Hodder, to have you with us today. Uh, you're doing something that I envy. And uh, tell us a little bit about, to, for our listeners to know, how you started, where you got, where you're at, doing what you're doing. Uh, it's always fascinating to hear why a person chooses to go f- into their professional life and give their lives to something that is very, uh, almost like a mission. How did you get started in this? Well, I'm a marine biologist at the University of Oregon, and I got started actually very early in life um, as an interest in nature, and I went to a very small school in Britain, and we used to go on nature walks quite a lot with our teachers, Um, and I learned a lot about nature from them. Uh I lived very close to the coast, and so we got to go to coastal environments and poke around in tide pools and see um, all these amazing animals and plants. And I've always been interested in them, I think, ever since then. That's exciting. I had one of the scientists on, the doctors, and she said that when she was 13 years old, she was going camping every year with her family, and she decided at 13 she wanted to give, be involved with the park system. Yes, I think those very early um, experiences as children um, can be incredibly important uh, for that kind of thing, getting people excited. And that's now, something that... Let's find out a little bit more what a marine... Give us the uh, description of a marine biology. What is the definition to that? Well, it's a very broad definition. It's essentially study of the ocean, you know, which is more than 70% of our planet. Um, so it can range through the study of whole organisms, um, whole ecosystems, down to the molecular biology of the organisms in the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's very wide. Because my show here has been dedicated to, for you to understand, Dr. Hodder, um, the power of water and global warming and what is happening to the water during this global warming, 
could you educate our listeners about what you've been learning about the oceans and what they should be, what the education that they need when they're going to the ocean and they're looking out at the therapy of the tide and and all that smell and all that's going on that we all just a therapeutic um, excitement. Um, what have you learned about what's happening to our oceans today? Well, we're learning a huge amount about oceans right now. Um, one reason is, of course, as you mentioned, they are changing. Um, we don't know exactly how they're changing, but certainly global climate change is, is causing them to change. So we're seeing some very big differences. Um, so let's just think about uh, the tropics, for example. We're seeing changes in coral reefs because of warming oceans. Um, the coral reefs are being stressed by the warm water, so that's one thing that we're seeing. So the waters are getting warmer. They're, yes, warmer. The waters are certainly getting warmer. And, of course, when water warms, it expands. Um, and that means that we are experiencing sea level rise. So you just said ocean... something for our listeners. I bet no one has ever thought of Dr. Hodder until you just said something. When something expands, it swells because of heat. When something is colder, it detracts. Correct. Uh-huh. Although that's not quite... So when the waters are getting warmer, the water, the ocean is expanding and coming closer. We're going to have more ocean in time than we will fresh water? No, not necessarily quite like that. Okay. But what we'll have is because the ocean waters are warmer, um, they expand, and so our, we will get higher tides. Higher tides. So our coastal areas, okay. um, our coastal cities, uh-huh. We'll have to be, uh, be more concerned about inundation from the ocean. If you think about where we have many of our cities, like in Florida, they're not very far above sea level. Sea level uh-huh. will increase, um, and we'll start to inundate some of those areas as we continue to warm our oceans because of global climate change. Now, what have you learned? Um, let's bring this up. It's, it's, I couldn't have this show without asking you this. What about when they used to be, you know, we're learning that our choices way back in time were not very, let's just say, smart. Uh, what about all the garbage that's been dumped in the ocean years past? Yes, that certainly is an issue, and particularly of plastics right now. Um, if you just plastic think of it's plastic been dumped. water bottles we are making um, every year in this country, for example, um, there's a huge amount of plastics that have been dumped in the ocean. Um, and they don't degrade very fast, and so they're still out there. And they cause a, certainly a problem for animals that get entangled in them. Um, and that's something that you know, we are quite concerned about, and people are beginning to, to have a look and see what we can do about those things. Mm-hmm. So people should be very concerned about uh, what, uh, uh, recycling the plastic. Yes, or more importantly, maybe not using plastics. Okay. Okay, now let's learn a little bit more about uh, the habitat, our life in the ocean. What is happening to, like you said, to our whales, our mammals, our sea lions, our, our, um, all of the animals are out, dolphins, uh, all the different kinds of, of sea, uh, seafood. Uh, what is happening there? Uh, do you have any knowledge on, I'm sure you do on that. Well, that's a really very large question. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> because, of course, there's a, the diversity of life in the ocean is immense. So if we just maybe look at, you know, one or two of those animals, oh, that's um, two. We, we can look at some very positive things um, that, uh, for example, um, we are here on the Oregon coast. We're just seeing a large number of brown pelicans coming by. Um, and brown pelicans are increasing in numbers incredibly. Now, brown pelicans? Brown pelicans, yes. Uh-huh. So what's the difference between a brown pelican and a white pelican? A white pelicans live on fresh water, and brown pelicans live on salt water. Oh. And brown pelicans are recovering very nicely from um, their previous low numbers because we've been protecting their habitat and we have reduced the amount of pollutants we're putting into the ocean, particularly um, the pollutants like DDT, which caused real problems for brown pelicans because their eggs shells became very thin, just like the bald eagle's example, and we've just seen the recovery of the bald eagle. So in that respect, there's some very positive news. 
But then, of course, there are other groups of animals where that is not the case, where uh -huh. things are um, being reduced in numbers because of habitat degradation. Um, a, a good example is a small porpoise down in the Gulf of California uh, between um, Baja Mexico and the mainland Mexican. That porpoise is in dire straits. Uh, because of fisheries interactions. It gets caught in fishing nets um, and drowns. And so we're seeing the reduction of numbers of, of that porpoise, which is called the vaquita, um, in large numbers. Uh -huh. So there's lots of, of uh, good sort of positive things that are happening, but there's also some very great concerns about um, these animals. So that's why it's, that's rather, you know, a broad question. You have to look at each individual species to see how we as humans and sort of the natural environment are influencing them. What is one of your favorite subjects and what is one of your favorite uh, parts of what you're doing that you're researching right now? Well, one of the, the, the exciting things that I do here is we run a program for um, where graduate students who are studying marine biology, different types of, of marine biology, go into our local schools and they teach uh, marine biology to um, the elementary students. Oh, that's exciting. It's very exciting. And so one wow. of my fun things is to help those graduate students. You know, can you imagine how many of those children are going to be exposed like you have been as a child, all of a sudden you said, I want to do that someday. Exactly, and that's our hope, not necessarily to make a huge number of marine biologists, but to get children that age excited about the natural environment. And taking care of the environment. Correct, yes, and just having an appreciation for it, even if they don't become scientists, so that they understand a little more about science and that they understand that it's important to um, take care of those environments. Um, you know, what comes to my mind is uh, do, when you go to teach the schools, do you add to your curriculum of teaching how they can learn to personally live with it? Uh, they can learn about how valuable it is to us, but are they learning how to live with this planet Earth and how vital those oceans are and the, and the fresh waters? Um, a lot of us take everything for granted, and I think if children started young, learning more about what they could do to participate and how important their life is to participating, it, um, it, it makes them feel, they begin to realize how important they are to the ecosystem as a person. Yes, that's certainly something that we work on, um, how important it is to um, be respectful of animals, how important it is to uh, learn about how animals fit into the environment and how we as humans uh, must be careful about what we do. So, mm -hmm. yes, we, we, we stress that quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Exciting. Now, at Ore uh, University of Oregon, how big is the department there? We have a marine biology uh, institute, um, and uh, we have currently we have about 60 students here, both undergraduates and graduate students, for our summer program. Um, we're a year-round program. Um, students do their degrees, their master's degrees here, their PhD degrees here, and we offer an undergraduate degree in marine biology, where mm -hmm. students um, come and spend some of their time at the institute here um, in Charleston on Coos Bay, and then spend some of the time um, in Eugene at the main campus. I see. Now, how, when, you're, when you're every day coming, doing what you're doing, do you have a particular project going on in research that you could share with us? Yes. Um, right now, um, I have some undergraduates and some graduate students working on a project in southern Oregon where they are studying a breeding seabird. It's a tiny little bird, weighs about two ounces, called the leech's storm petrel. And it is a bird that comes onto offshore islands um, only at night uh, because it has to be um, camouflaged so that it doesn't get eaten by gulls, um, for example. And it spends its summers here on the Oregon coast, uh, goes actually as far up as Alaska. Um, and then it spends its winters down in tropical waters off of South America. And what's the name of that bird? It's the leech's storm petrel. Uh-huh. And I have graduate students studying that bird, looking at the breeding biology, the population dynamics, um, looking at some predation that's happening um, in that area. And where did you say they usually are uh, migrating to? Uh, in the winter, they migrate to warmer waters, the tropical waters off of South America. So this little two-ounce bird flies every year 
from the Oregon coast down off to Ecuador or off Peru. I see. Uh-huh. So uh, you're, that's something you've been researching now for how long? Oh, on and off, probably for about the last 15 years. Wonderful. Well, I appreciate you giving us time. Uh, I'm talking to you here in Oregon, too, Dr. Hodder. I don't know if you were told that. This is an international show. Uh I really appreciate you giving us the time and sharing with us your passion and your mission. Um, Would you join us again someday? I certainly would, yes. Well, you have a wonderful summer, and thank you again for giving us that time. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. Well, today we've had a lot of fun. Uh, We've learned about the synergy of your energy living with the sea of the world. You're living with the air. And what is happening to each individual living in that air? Uh, you're an individual. And uh, as you learn more about yourself and what your concerns are, how important you are to this planet Earth, your influences personally and what you can self-educate yourself and learn more is vital to you but also to those around you. We learned a lot about marine biology with Dr. Hodder from University of Oregon what excitement you can have going to the oceans and looking and looking up on the uh, internet more information about what is happening with global warming and our oceans we found that there the oceans are coming up and expanding and that is exciting but we need to learn more about our plastics that was interesting as you know water is vital to life and is a solvent for healthy living for eternity and water is a commodity that everybody has taken for granted that we should never take for granted or this the earth will not exist absolute usefulness for life convenient for all life is water it's absolute it's an absolute 6,000 children die every day because of unsafe water and poor sanitation let's start thinking more about the global warming what we can learn to do to be healthier I want you to know that I believe that Earth's secret is to embrace your life every precious moment. And I know Earth is whispering in all of our prayers, never say goodbye. Thank you for being with me today. Have a nice day.